It is over. It's over. It is over. It's over. It's over. It's over. It's done and dusted. It's over. It's over. And hi, and welcome to another edition of the Logan Blackman Show. And as you just heard me say, it is over. And for those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, the debate on who is the GOAT between Messi and Ronaldo is officially over. Now, to me, it's been over. Messi has done been the best player in the world for the past however many years. But to the people who said he needed an international trophy to be considered in the GOAT conversation, it is over. Messi is the GOAT. It is undoubtable, unquestionable at this point in time. If you still argue for Cristiano Ronaldo, you are a numbskull. That's all I can say about you. You have not, I don't know what your argument basis anymore is. Gee, I just had a loss for words right now. If people are still out there, come forward, get a supporters group or support group and go to like Cristiano Ronaldo Anonymous or something like that. And look it, I would just like to say this. I don't hate Cristiano Ronaldo. I don't hate Sam Darnold. I don't hate LeBron James. But people that rate them higher than people that are the GOATs frustrate me a little bit. Now, I can hear some of the arguments every once in a while, but this one's been over for years. And most people who have followed the sport of soccer and know the sport of soccer or football, however you want to call it, know this. That has been over. That Messi is greater than Ronaldo in every facet except for being taller. Other than that, Messi is the greatest of all time. And that is over. The fact that Argentina finally won an international trophy, it's over. They have officially won the 2021 Copa America, beating Brazil 1-0. Argentina, in the tournament, scored 12 goals. Messi was responsible for 9 of them. 4 goals, 5 assists was the top scorer in the tournament, was the top player in the tournament, and led Argentina to a final. Now, if we want to do comparisons on Cristiano Ronaldo's route to the European crown in 2016, it's a little bit different. It is a little bit different of a... uh, uh, How you got there, okay? Now, this was also the first tournament, the 2016 Euros, was the first time that we had... Uh, what do you call it? What what is it called? The third place qualifier thing? Is that what? Yeah, you a team that qual that finished third in their group can finally move on to the knockout stage. It was like the top third place teams can move on, and Portugal was one of them, finishing third in a group behind Hungary and Iceland. Now I know Iceland were a great story. They beat England in the Euro 2016. Playoffs, the first knockout stage game of the tournament between England and Iceland, finished out Iceland on top, and basically ended what we know from the English national team, or basically built on the English national team. We'll talk about them in a little bit. Finishing third in a group with them, (laughs) with those teams, no disrespect to those teams, but Cristiano Ronaldo in that group stage scored two goals for Portugal. Finishing third out of the top three or top four third place teams in the tournament on three points with a zero goal difference. And then in the knockout stage, beat Croatia in extra time, beat Poland on penalties, and then beat somehow Wales, got to the semifinals, and then beat France after extra time without Cristiano Ronaldo on the field. Now, did Ronaldo finish as the top scorer in the tournament? No. 
No, not at all. He was three goals behind the top scorer in the tournament, Antoine Griezmann, who has six goals. Was he the, 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 the top assister in the tournament? Not that I can see. Now it's not really popping up. Was he the, the player of the tournament? No. No, he was not. That was, that was Antoine Griezmann as well. Was he in the team of the tournament? Yeah, he made the team of the tournament. Congratulations. Won the group, wasn't player of the tournament, wasn't the golden boot, but made the team of the tournament. And Portugal won. And he got hurt after nine minutes or something, got substituted after nine minutes with an injury. And I'm not saying that it was, or 25 minutes, my bad. It feels like it was a lot less than that. Now, I don't wish injuries on anybody. Injuries on anybody is, if you wish injuries on people, I'm sorry. Like, the people that were cheering for Conor McGregor snapping his ankle yesterday, screw you. Whoever's wishing injuries on people just because you don't like them, screw you. And I don't dislike Ronaldo, okay? This is the same thing we've gone over with the Sam Darnold thing, the people that rate Sam Darnold better than Josh Allen, which have pretty much all been silenced at this point in time, and I'm hoping that's how this whole messy Ronaldo thing is now done and dusted, Okay? I hope it's over, okay? Because the arguments for Ronaldo don't make sense to begin with. They're very very easily destructible, I guess. You can just dissect each argument and go like, well, really? We're going to argue this? Like the argument that Ronaldo has tested himself in other countries. That's an idiotic argument as he has gone to the biggest club with the biggest checkbook in every single country he has gone to. England, Manchester United, Spain, Real Madrid, and then Juventus in Italy. Real Madrid that same summer, at least the same summer, the summer after, brought in Sergio Ramos, Kareem Benzema, <laughs> you know, just Kaka, two legends of Real Madrid and the, one of the reigning, one of the last Ballon d'Or winners, the last Ballon d'Or winner between the Messi and Ronaldo stranglehold on it until Luka Modric won it in 2018. Like, the testing in different countries thing is a very weird argument to make, because when you look a little deeper and go, wow. He's not going to Liverpool at that time who were mid-table mediocrity that weren't going anywhere anytime soon. No, he didn't go to Atletico Madrid. He didn't go to a struggling AC Milan or Roma. No, he went to Manchester United, went to Real Madrid, and then went to Juventus. I mean, great stuff testing yourself in other countries, but great stuff testing yourself, really testing yourself. It's a hard time to win these titles. With the three biggest clubs in each respective country. Great argument there. Great argument. <laughs> oh, man. You look at Barcelona's history before Messi, it's ridiculous. It's not even comparable. Their history now is amazing. They have a, they're a very historic club. You have a lot of historic players. But you didn't win as much as you do right now back then. There is literally a quote. I think it's from Felipe. Oh, wow. I'm not going to say the quote because I don't remember who it's from. I think it's from Felipe Scolari. I don't really sure. I'm not sure. Was it Vincente Del Bosque? I can't remember who the manager was. Those are just the two managers. I can't even. I don't even know if it's them or not. Said Barcelona didn't win when I was manager here. Real Madrid bought David Beckham and had Ronaldo and Zinedine Zidane on the same team with Raul, Iker Casillas, Fernando Hierro, like, they they had good players. <laughs> Manchester United, same exact thing. But yeah, go ahead and say you tested it. I'm a Manchester United fan. I grew up watching Cristiano Ronaldo on Manchester United. Doesn't mean that I can, you know, see what's in front of me. <laughs> My eyes, you know, work. 
Ronaldo's not the same level of a sister, a creator as Messi. He's nowhere near the free kick taker, dead piece specialist that Lionel Messi is. He's nowhere near the dribbler that Lionel Messi is. Like, people say that Messi couldn't cut it in the Premier League. Did you not watch the Argentina-Columbia game at all? <laughs> like, after this tournament, it's done. Messi was the best player. He scored the most goals. He was responsible of nine of Argentina's 12 total goals in the game in the tournament. Now, sure, he had that little fluff towards the end of the Argentina-Brazil game, but either way, he was by far the best player in the tournament. Not even a question about it. There has been times in international tournaments Ronaldo is just, like, not there. It doesn't seem like he's really there. And if you want to go, oh, he's been to the finals, Messi's been to two international finals. Now, Ronaldo's been to two, but one of them for Messi was the World Cup. So, you know, that's a little bit different than two Euros and one he lost to Greece on home soil. Now, granted, he was younger at that time, a lot younger. But, hey, you know what? We're going to stay, we're going to do random arguments for Ronaldo. We're going to do the same random things for Lionel Messi. Oh, man. We're not even getting into Gonzalo Higuain and all that garbage of his teammates not playing well. We're not even going to compare the national team's setups. <laughs> We're not even going to do that. All I'm going to say is, it's over. And seek help if you still think Ronaldo's the GOAT. Seek help. I get he scored 109 international goals. Fantastic. Are you the same person that thinks Emmett Smith's the greatest running back of all time? Because if we're going off that, that means you think Emmett Smith's the greatest running back of all time. And I think I could name probably two people that think that. Outside of Dallas Cowboys fans, obviously. Because Cowboys fans will obviously say that. But I think most normal-headed people say Walter Payton or Barry Sanders or Jim Brown. I think most people would say that. Now, you have some whack jobs that think what Emmett Smith. Yeah, the same people that say Cristiano Ronaldo is the best. Same exact thing. Do you also think Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the greatest basketball player of all time? Just because he has the most points? Uh, do we do we think that, or do you really do? You, do most people argue Michael Jordan versus LeBron James? Is that like, yeah, awesome? Got a lot of goals against a lot of very very bad teams. He's turned himself into a lethal striker. He went from a flashy winger to a lethal goal scorer. Now a lot of penalties, a lot of easy chances, but he scored them. You have to score them. You can have all the chances in the world. If you don't score them, it doesn't freaking matter. So fair play to him on that. But it's over. If you still argument, still make the argument, I'm sorry, there's no real help for you. <laughs> I've said this for years now. Now it's confirmed. I didn't need him to win an international trophy to think he was the greatest soccer player of all time. Some people did. Marisa Du said it best. Like, they were talking about it after the game was over, after Argentina beat Brazil. It was over. They were going talking about, oh, did he need this? Does conversation over? And then Maurice Dudu said this best. The argument was over before the game even started. <laughs> like, it didn't need that. The, the, the result of this game doesn't change the facts. Doesn't change it at all. At, like, at all. I'm sorry. People that have watched soccer, people that know soccer, people that, you know, their eyes work, say Lionel Messi's the greatest soccer player of all time. That's just the fact of the matter. There's nothing, not, nothing really against Cristiano Ronaldo. This is more at the people that praise him. Just whatever. whatever. <laughs> it's more towards his fans, the diehard Cristiano Ronaldo fans. Now, I don't want to see people going, Pinaldo, that stuff's stupid, even though he does score a lot of penalties and gets a lot of penalties. And yes, he throws a lot of temper tantrums, like throwing the captain's armband after losing to Belgium. After throwing the captain's armband, after not being allowed a goal again, I can't remember who it was for, 
after throwing a temper tantrum, after not getting the ball played across the box, when I think it was Jeez, Arabola, for Real Madrid, I think it was him, throwing a temper tantrum in the goal while they're celebrating. He's the only one not really celebrating. Yeah. I mean, sure, yeah, call him. I'm just going to not respect your opinion on this on the fact of soccer anymore, but that's it to whatever. But yeah, Argentina, all in all, Argentina beat Brazil 1-0. Angle Di Maria scored a goal. Roman Lo- Ronan Lodi, mistake, led to a Di Maria goal, chipped Ederson. Very st- I was still surprised Ederson started that tournament as much as he did. I mean, you can't really have... There's. I told my dad this, and this might not make a lot of sense. It makes sense in my head, but maybe you don't understand it. There's not a wrong choice between Ederson and Allison for starting a net. I do think there's a right choice, though. Like, these are the top two of the top three goalkeepers in the world. El- Allison, in my opinion, is the best. Maybe number two, because I get I could see a very strong arm- argument for Jan Oblak being the best goalkeeper in the world at this point in time. Ederson's third. Like, you're not going wrong choosing one of them, but you're definitely right in picking Allison. That might not make a lot of sense. It makes sense in my head, but I, I apologize for that if it doesn't make sense to you. But they went with Ederson, played well. Had a better season than Allison. Won the league. Allison was hurt. Did not win the league. <laughs> Did score a header, though, which was really cool to see, even though I'm a Manchester United fan and don't like Liverpool. It was cool to see him score, especially after the circumstances were going off, off the pitch with Allison in his personal life. You can go look up the stories regarding that if you want to. But yeah, great game. Very physical game. The Copa America is a very physical tournament. So that's the same thing, like I said, with the Argentina-Colombia game. If you don't think Messi could cut it in the Premier League, the physicality of the Premier League, watch that game, and then shut your trap for me, please. They play tough in the Copa America. After watching Italy roll on the, Federico Chiesa roll on the ground for about five minutes after like his foot got chopped off, for unless I see something more tomorrow or today, if it comes up tonight, I'm not going to believe there was a lot wrong with him. I didn't see what happened, even though he was grabbing his face, acting like his foot got sawed off with, like, a rusty saw. Not even, like, a fast thing. Like, really, like, you're going in at it. Like, Italy lays on the ground a lot. And people give Neymar crap for flopping? Good lord. Italy does that a lot. They beat the crap out of Neymar in this game between Argentina and Colombia, or Argentina and Brazil. There was one time Nicholas Otamendi just ran through Neymar. Didn't even think about getting the ball. It's one of what we like to call a tactical foul. <laughs> Straight yellow card. I got easily a yellow card. And then waited for Marquinhos or somebody to push him in the back. And then just started laughing when he flopped to the ground. And he knew exactly what he was doing. Marquinhos got a yellow card for it for re- retaliation. And it was awesome. Freaking awesome. Neymar had his shorts ripped during the game. Uh, Lucas Piqueta had a hole in his sock at the same time. And... It was just carnage. That Colombia game, Colombia committed 27 fouls against Argentina in that semifinal game. And then the amount of shit talking between Argentina and Colombia was awesome. Like, Messi is talking shit to players. You never really see that. Messi is a very introverted, mild-mannered player. And he's talking trash to you. I loved watching the celebrations after they beat Brazil. It brought a tear to your eye. It came. I my eyes were getting watery watching it. when he dropped to his knees after the final whistle blew, and they were officially the 2021 Copa America champions. It brought a tear to your eye. And then when they lifted the international trophy, that was awesome. And I just like to end the segment by saying what I did at the beginning of the show. It's over. It's done. It's over. <laughs> 
Most people didn't need this, but hey, for you out there that needed Messi to win an international trophy, there it is. It's done and dusted. I do think it's cool that Messi and Ronaldo got their international trophies on the same day, July 10th, just four years or five years apart. It's still really cool. Even though Ronaldo played 25 minutes of his, did a lot coaching wise, but yeah, wasn't really on the field for that, but great game. Great game. Congratulations to Argentina on winning the Copa America. Commiserations to Brazil. I really liked the images between Messi and Neymar as well. Emiliano Martinez, another great story in this Copa America. Uh, been loaned out a crap ton of times at Arsenal. Finally got a starting job at Aston Villa and just won a Copa America with his first real stint as the number one goalie for Argentina. Great stuff. Very lo- love to see it. Great story. I love the relationship that him and Messi had developed over this tournament. Great stuff. Great tournament. Always fun to watch. If you never watched the Copa America, I would very much recommend watching it because it is a great tournament to watch and a very fun and physical tournament because the difference between the Copa America and the Euros, to me, is the fact that they are all rivals. Every single country in the Copa America is a rival with one another. You don't have, like, deep-heated rivals in the Euros. There's, like, one-sided rivals, like the English and Germans. I don't think the Germans really represent or have a rivalry with England. I think England has a rivalry with Germany. Germany has a rivalry with the Netherlands. The Netherlands, same so. Those two have battled each other a lot in international international tournaments over the years. England and Scotland, that's a rivalry. England and Latvia, not really a rivalry. England-Sweden, not a rivalry. Now, you don't really, even those games, you don't even really see a lot of bad blood towards one another. Argentina versus Bolivia has some bad blood in it. Like, these are all rivalries with one another. And it is awesome to see. It's a lot of physical games and a lot of very flair players, for the lack of a better term. A lot of exciting things to watch in the Copa America. So next time it's up, I very much recommend watching the Copa America. But now to the Euros. England versus Italy in the final. We got Argentina, right? We said Argentina would win, even though my gut said Brazil. England, on the other hand, did not beat Italy. 1-1 after extra time. Luke Shaw scored in the second minute of the game. Great cross by Kieran Trippier. Finds Luke Shaw in the back post. Plays it one time off the bounce. Half volley. Smashes it past Donnarumma. And I think there's a real argument to be made that Luke Shaw is the best left back in the world at this point in time. I think there's a real argument to be had there. A very real argument. And you might not like that, but hey, it is hard to argue at this point in time. And then Benucci got a nice little tap and goal after a corner. I think it was a corner kick. England kind of bumbled it around the box, and Benucci just placed it right past Jordan Pickford. And then it went to penalties. And you know the old adage, history repeats itself? It seems to do that more often than not with England. Like, you thought it was over after the 2018 World Cup and they beat Colombia on penalties. You're like, oh, England's penalty curse is over. No. It was alive and well. In this tournament, I thought, man, after Berardi scored, played it, and then after Kane scored, geez, two really good penalties. Berardi sent Prickford the wrong way. Kane just smashed it in the bot, the side netting right past Donnarumma, and then Belotti's penalty got saved. And then Maguire destroys the camera in the top corner of the goal. Absolutely oblit. I've never seen a penalty where the camera just turns gray. Like, he destroyed the camera. There's not a goalie in the world that is saving that penalty. And it surprised me that Harry Maguire was going up to take a penalty, but good Lord, should he start taking some penalties for Manchester United? (laughs) 
not saying that he should take him off of Bruno as he's one of the best penalty takers in the world, but should be in the rotation a little bit. Should he? <laughs> Dude, killed the penalty. And then Bonucci scored. And then Rashford missed. And when Rashford stepped up, I was watching the game with my dad. And I said, Rashford launches penalties. Rashford takes penalties about 1,000 miles an hour. This dude laces through the ball every single time. And you could see the moment where he knows Donnarumma is going to his right, Donnarumma's left, and he knows where he's placing it. I think Rashford got caught in two minds if he wanted to lash it or place it and hit it off the post. I think he was he was overthinking it. And this is weird to think about. Rashford is a really nice penalty taker, scored a penalty in the Columbia shootout in the 2018 World Cup, got in his head, missed the penalty. And then you've got Bernadeschi scoring. So now England needs to start making some penalties. Sancho misses it. Uh-oh. Jay and Sancho's penalty, not a good penalty at all. Terrible penalty. And then Jorginho, arguably the best penalty taker in the world, steps up. Jordan Pickford saves his penalty. And then 19-year-old Bakaya Saka steps up to take a penalty for England and misses it. This was weird to me on multiple fronts. Bakaya Saka has been one of England's, one of their more surprising players this tournament. Been a very important player for England a lot of this tournament, starting in games where a lot of people didn't expect him to start and did and played very, very well. Was man of the match in the group stage against Croatia, I believe. No, Czech Republic. Yeah. Steps out to take a penalty. First off, the tactical thought process, I've tried to, I've defended Gareth Southgate. Gareth Southgate's gotten a two a World Cup semifinal and a European Championship final. Like, there's nothing you can really say wrong about those two results. Great results. Has done very well with the group of players he's had. But the Rashford and Sancho coming on the 120th minute surprised me quite a bit. Not necessarily Rashford, Sancho. Sancho doesn't take penalties. He might have taken like three or four penalties at Borussia Dortmund, but Erling Holland and Marco Royce are the penalty takers. Rashford has taken penalties. Rashford is, if Bruno Fernandez is not in, Marcus Rashford's taking the penalty. He scored big penalties. He scored against Paris Saint-Germain. He scored against Colombia. He scored when he was the captain for England at the penalties. So, he, and that one makes sense. But coming on for Henderson, who does sometimes take penalties for Liverpool, granted, he missed the penalty in the warm-up game right before this World Cup. I think it was against Austria. But he's taken penalties. Sancho doesn't really take penalties. To my knowledge, Saka's never taken a penalty for Arsenal. With players like Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, Alexander Lacazette, players like that, I don't know if he's taken a lot of penalties. Nicolas Pepe? I don't... How many penalties has Saka taken? And he's coming up as a 19-year-old, and his job is to save England. To save them. And on the field at that time, you have Raheem Sterling, who has been arguably England's best player this tournament, who has taken penalties for Manchester City. Why is he not taking a penalty? 
Now, I don't know if this is the players doing or if this is the managers doing. Why is Raheem Sterling not taking one, and why is Bakaya Saka taking one? Why is Jack Grealish, who takes penalties for Aston Villa, not taking a penalty? Why is Jordan Henderson getting subbed off when he does take penalties? Why did you not sub up Calvin Phillips, who does not take penalties? Luke Shaw scored a penalty against Villarreal in the penalty shootout in the Europa League final. Kieran Trippier scored a penalty against Colombia in the 2018 World Cup, got subbed out in the 70th minute. Why the substitutes made no sense. Looking back on it, now again, hindsight's 2020. You know how much I love hindsight. But man, what was the logic behind this? Did Gareth Southgate get in his own head? Like, why why, why is Saka tax, tasked with taking the saving penalty for England? At 19, who does not have a wide history of taking penalties? Who does not have a wide history of representing England? Why is he taking this penalty? And then to the English fans and the people on social media, I, the sad part is, I knew this would happen. Because this always seems to happen in the world of soccer, more than any sport it seems like. Is the racist comments towards Marcus Rashford, Jaden Sancho, and Bakaya Saka. Why is that needed? On any front, why why is that the resu- why does that need to happen? These are 23, 21, and 19-year-old kids. Marcus Rashford is two weeks older than me. He's born on October 31st. Two weeks older than me. And because he missed a penalty, we have to go towards that type of... I, I don't get it. At all. It's not necessary. Would you have scored the penalty if you were up there? England's possibly their their first international trophy since 1966? Why is this necessary? At all. And I... Again... The sad part is, I knew this would happen. You could see this happening. It's like, oh my god. I, You feel bad for the players missing the penalty? Because you know how much that crushes you as a player? But then to go on social media and just see the comments on your post or on England's posts or in your DMs or wherever, it's not needed at, at all in any walk of life, let alone just missing a freaking penalty. That 90% of the people that tweeted at him or at them wouldn't have scored. I'm not going to say 90. 99% of the people. And I guarantee none of them use their actual names or use their Twitter account, use their own pictures for their Twitter accounts. It's stupid. Why does that need to happen at all? You just feel bad for the players. You feel bad for the players regardless of them missing the penalty. And then you've got to, you know what they're going to deal with on social media. But again, the tactical thing, going back to the tactics of it, I don't, I'm not going to put Sancho and Saka. Saka should never have been in that situation anyways. If anything, he should have paid, taken like the seventh or eighth penalty if they got that far. Sancho, same thing. But you subbed off Trippier. You subbed off Henderson. You subbed off, or didn't, give Raheem Sterling the opportunity to take a penalty, or he said no. I don't know. England screwed this one up. They they should have won the game, if I'm being honest. Italy had some nice chances. 
but Jordan Pickford did his job beautifully. There, I can probably, I can't even name goalkeepers that have saved Jorginho's penalties before, and Pickford did it. There is an old adage in soccer, or around soccer, that's like the goalie, if he saves one, the penalty taker should do the rest of their job. It's almost impossible to save a penalty. You're basically guessing, and he saved two of them against practiced penalty takers and Andrea Belotti and Jorginho, who take penalties regularly for their clubs in Torino and Chelsea. You saw what Jorginho just did to Unai Simon in the semifinal. You expect that similar thing or something similar to happen again. <laughs> and he saved it. And Sancho and Saka, not great penalties. Terrible penalties. Very savable height for the goalkeepers. And nowhere in the corner. It's basically a chest, chest save, pretty much. He could have not used his hand and saved both of them. But why were they in that situation to begin with? Why? It doesn't make any really any sense to me why they were in those situations to begin with. Henderson takes penalties. Jack Grealish takes penalties. Trippier has taken big penalties before. Raheem Sterling has taken penalties. Why are Sancho and Saka the ones that are tasked in doing this? Now, I know there's some losers out there going, oh, they're professional soccer players getting paid millions of dollars a week. They should be able to score a penalty. Penalties are not easy. I have taken numerous penalties in my life. Now, granted, I've never missed a penalty, but they're not easy. There's a lot of mental thoughts that go into that. The weight of a country in your own stadium, your own country. I feel for them. I, I don't know what the, the thought process was behind the penalties or why they chose who, who took the penalties. I was really surprised Harry Maguire took a penalty, yet he scored it. I was shocked he was walking up there. I was expecting Rashford to go second because that's what happened in 2018. Rashford went right after Harry Kane. I don't know. It's upsetting. I mean, I'm not an England fan, but I love a lot of the players that play for England. Rashford, Harry Maguire, Jane Sancho. I really like watching Jack Grealish. I like Harry Kane a lot. Mason Mount's a pretty cool player to watch. Luke Shaw's awesome. Kieran Trippier can place a ball on a freaking plate. They call Shady McCoy cutting a dime. Kieran Trippier can place a ball on a dime easily. But man, tactics, weird. Part of me expected them to go with a back three, but why did Mason Mount start over Bakaya Saka if you were going to play a back three? It kinda, that kind of confused me a little bit. Mount's not a winger. And you played him on the right wing, so I was kind of confused about that. I don't know. Just a really weird, weird game. It looked like England got in their heads more than anything. Like, a lot. It was a very weird game. Fans can be disappointed, but hey, you got to a World World Cup semifinal and European Championship final... Be happy. <laughs> you could be like France-Portugal, who had two of the best squads in the tournament didn't even make it out of the first round of the knockout stage. So you could be that. But man, you hate you hate it for the players. Now, I'm not... Again, it didn't crush me to see England lose. I was upset because I wanted them to win. But it didn't like, oh my god, my day's ruined. Because I knew it was coming up at the later day. But I'll get to that in a little bit. 
But yeah, I know they're not listening to this. I know they're never going to hear this, but Saka, Sancho, Rashford, keep your heads up. You guys are great players. All of you, amazing players. Rashford has done enough for England outside of soccer that should be excluded from intense criticism like this, like the ones he's getting on social media. Like, Rashford's basically, he's got a doctorate. Like, dude's done a lot up in Manchester and around other places around England. Like, that dude should not be criticized. Like, the dude was freaking captain of England right before this tournament started. He missed a penalty, and we're just going to throw that all away. He's trash. We're going to use racist slurs at him now. All of the the gloves are off now. It's stupid. So, yeah. Keep your head up. Rashford's one of my favorite players in the world to watch. Great player. Not been healthy all year. Played a crap ton of games, a crap ton of minutes for Manchester United. Not healthy. Didn't play a lot this tournament. I think it has something to do with the amount of games and how many injuries he was suffering through this entire season. I think it had something to do with how many minutes he played. But, man. This England team, though, they're going to be scary in 2022. This is the youngest team or one of the youngest teams in the tournament. Kyle Walker is their oldest player at 31 years old. This team is not done. Do I think they'll win the 2022 World Cup? Well, time will tell. Because if you ask me if they're going to be in the Euro 2020 final in 2020, I would have told you no. You didn't have Luke Shaw playing like this. Luke Shaw wasn't going to be in the team. John Stones wasn't going to be in the team. John Stones was benched at Manchester City for Fernandinho playing center back. Like, you don't see these kinds of players. Is Bakaya Saka in this team? I don't know. Mason Mount? Probably not. Calvin Phillips, who's had a great tournament for England? Oh, and Declan Rice takes penalties too. But I don't think you knew they were going to take penalties in the 74th minute. But, I, man. Again, you can just look back at it and go, they they screwed some things up. Tactically, decision-making, it was all kind of wonky for England. But, hey, they can't really complain. Another tournament... Another great result. Maybe not the result you wanted. Not a tournament final. You're not the champion. But you're facing a team that had not lost in 33 games and has one win away or one non-loss away from being tied with the great Spain and the great Brazil for the longest non-loss streak in the world. 35 games is what Spain and Brazil have. 34 for Italy. This is going to be insane for 2022. Donnarumma is named player of the tournament. Not surprising. He's been in two penalty shootouts. Won both of them. Saved a few penalties in both of them. Not surprised. He was player of the tournament. Now, I don't know if the rest of the tournament, team of the tournament, has been announced. But John Dan, Jan Luigi Donnarumma, player of the tournament. Pedri, player of the, young player of the tournament, obviously. I mean, what, he play every single minute for Spain in this tournament? Like, dude is awesome. Top scorer, Cristiano Ronaldo. Patrick Schick. Tied on top, but Cristiano had one more goal, one more assist, so he gets crowned Golden Boot. Patrick Schick had five goals. Cream Benzema had four goals. And yeah, the team of the tournament has not been announced, as far as I know. So that's what we're looking at right now. UEFA Tournament Awards. It doesn't look like we've got one right now, but yeah, first goalie to ever win the tournament, the player of the tournament, Donnarumma. Great tournament for him. I'm trying to look at what else happened. Yeah, Man of the Match Awards. Two, they got a lot of people winning two Man of the Match Awards. Busquets, Chiesa, Dumfries, Kane, Lukaku, Spinozola. Yeah. Great stuff. Great stuff. So, yeah, I think that's all we've got for Euros right now. But, yeah, congratulations to Italy. Congratulations to Argentina on winning the tournament finals. 
Wasn't confident in saying England or Argentina, but hey, got one of them right. I was going with my heart with those ones. Got them right. Now, moving on to the other, the last international tournament we're going to talk about, the CONCACAF Gold Cup, the one everybody was ready for. Made another U.S. men's national team preview for the tournament, and it was pretty spot on, if I do say so myself. Now, the United States won the game 1-0, didn't look great. There, it's a new team. Now, I haven't gotten a lot of minutes playing together, but we got every single player in the starting lineup correct, except for Reggie Cannon at right back, who was out due to injury, who got hurt yesterday. So if he didn't get hurt, I'm sure he was going to start over Shaq Moore, who was named man of the match by the United States men's national team. So congratulations to Shaq Moore. Played a really nice game. Got the assist, I believe. I well, Did Zardes get the assist on the... He put in the cross. Did Zardes get credited with the assist for Sam Vines' goal? Either way, Sam Vines, header, scored a goal for the United States. To eventually the game winner. Did he play great outside the goal? Uh, he was kind of caught outside a little bit. Caught lacking on defense, which... Can be fixed. I mean, you're not gonna. I mean, Haiti is a better team than what I think most people are getting credit for. Haiti has scored a crap ton of goals in these past few games of 2021. We talked about in the preview. If you haven't watched it, go ahead and watch it. We'll have another preview for the game against Martinique coming up in the near future. So that game will be on Thursday at 8:30. So make sure you tune into that game. That should be fun. All the games for the United States are in Kansas City, uh, Canada in this group as well. Speaking of Martinique. Uh, won 4-1 over Martinique. Uh, they had a 10-0 lead, or 1-0 lead after the 10th minute. And then Kyle Aaron scored. And then Osario scored. And Yusquedo scored. I don't know if I said his name right. I'm not even going to try and pronounce these other two names. <laughs> uh, 4-0. 4-1, I should say. Canada wins. Now they're on top of the group with goal difference. Big news coming out of the tournament, though. Alfonso Davies has withdrawn from the tournament with an ankle injury. Didn't talk about that when we made our tournament predictions on Twitter. Now, Canada has a plus-three goal difference, but we'll see what happens against Haiti. I could actually see Haiti drawing here with Canada. I think a nice two-all draw would be nice here. The United States will have to make it up in this game against Martinique because that game against Canada and Kansas City on July 18th is going to be big. I'm very intrigued to see what happens there. Haiti against Martinique, fully expect Haiti to win that one. They have a lot of very nice players, especially going forward. So, yeah, I fully expect Haiti to handle Martinique in this one. Not really a lot of analysis for the United States game. Uh, Paul Ariola hurt himself. I don't know if it was, I think it was his hamstring. Maybe it was his knee. I couldn't really tell. All I know is he put in a very bad cross and instantly grabbed his leg. So, time will tell in the whole injury thing. Big loss for them if he can't play. But Giacchini came into the game for him. Had a, a couple of very nice moments. Had a shot hit off the bar for the United States. And yeah, John Luca Busio played, which was awesome to see. The crowd was awesome with him coming in. Almost had an absolute worldie of a goal. Off the volley, one-timer, smashed it. Goalie got a hand to it and fell down right away after he saved it. That was almost a... Oh, if that goal went in, good Lord. Now, does he start the next game? I don't know. Jackson Ewell had a pretty nice game. And a lot of people, I would like to stress on this too. This is a lot of bashing people today. We bashed people that say Cristiano Ronaldo is better than Lionel Messi. You bash people for going after Saka, Rashford, and Sancho, but rightfully so. And now we're going to bash, like, here in the moment, United States fans. If you look at this roster, I said this in the video, so if you haven't, go subscribe to the Logan Blackman Show YouTube channel, and you can watch all the previews we do leading up to the games for the United States and the Gold Cup. You have to look at the squad, not on the face of it, and go like, oh, why aren't Pulisic, Reyna, McKinney, and all those guys here? 
They have international commitments. They can't go to these tournaments. you got preseason tournaments. They just finished out their seasons. Christian Pulisic just finished out the Champions League. Yeah, you had the odd couple games. You had the United CONCACAF Nations League final. This is a full-blown tournament. They need some sort of offseason. You represent your country for that tournament, for that little, like, playoff thing. Now you're in the Gold Cup, a tournament that is really not that huge. And the fact of the matter that the United States and Mexico usually always go to the final, with one of them usually always winning the tournament. That's about to happen this year. Now, for Mexico, they did just lose Irving Lozano. I hope he has a speedy recovery, so that might affect how they play. But they should still make the final. The U.S. doesn't have Pulisic, Reyna, McKinney, Adams, Stefan, those guys. They should still make the tournament final. Also, I think they'll build in this tournament. They didn't play well this game, but again, this is their first time really playing together as a unit. So they're going to have some rough patches. And this was one of them. And it's not against, like, a terrible team. Yeah, it's a team they should be beating, but they did. But it's not a team that's got any slouches on it. It's not a bad team by any stretch of the imagination. Haiti was in the semifinals of the last CONCACAF Champions League or CONCACAF Gold Cup. And then now they're facing the United States off a very good run of games where they've absolutely dominated teams by with their attack. They're going to be a tough team to face. And that proved in this game. So instead of seeing like of Pulisic and all the guys I've talked about, you're going to see Giovanni or Jayassi Zardes, Sebastian Legette, Jackson Ewell, Walker Zimmerman, Matt Turner, Sam Vines, this younger team. Now you go in the comment section of some of these things. What kind of lineup did you expect to put out there? This is the kind of team that he was going to throw out there. And people bashing Burhalter for this team. How are you going to build the World Cup squad if you don't have a tournament to know how good your other players are? You know who the key players of the World Cup team are. You need to build the squad, and that is what this tournament is used for. Because for the World Cup qualifiers, for a team that, you know, just missed the World Cup, they're going to need their big players for that. Why would you waste them in the Gold Cup when those players, even the players you have on now, are better than 90% of the other players in the tournament? Why would you do that? This is called managing your team, managing the players you have, giving players that wouldn't normally get a chance to start, like Sam Vines and Jonathan Lewis, a chance to get big minutes. Now again, I'm a genius. We've already discussed this as I got the lineup almost exactly right. If it weren't for an injury to Reggie Cannon, I would have gotten exactly right. But hey, that's neither here nor there. Hope you watch the next video against Martinique because it should be fun. But yeah, not really a lot to take away from this game. United States should win. I said 2-0. They won 1-0. Not really... Yeah, the United States should have won by more. They missed a lot of chances. They had a few chances that, either, that they got a little bit unlucky from. Haiti had some chances, but far less the United States' real chances. Like, that scared the United States. There's not one thing that Haiti did that scared me. They made some nice runs. but there, I guess there was that one shot, I think, by Duncan Zazan that went wide. But that was really the only chance that they had that I was really like, oh, wow, the United States got away with that one there. The United States should have realistically won like 3 nothing. They had a couple chances that they just fluffed. Giacchini's one that I talked about earlier, where he hit the post. That was a big miss there. But hey, you take what you can. You got the dub. It's the group stage. Doesn't matter how you get the win, as long as you got the win. You got the three points. 
You're tied with Canada on points, down on goal difference, but I expect them to make that goal difference up in some capacity against Martinique, a team that they should easily beat. I was a little bit, like, I was not. I was optimistic against Haiti. I knew they would win, but I knew it would be tough as well, which is what this game proved. There's lots of area for improvement. Will this lineup change drastically going into the next game against Martinique? Probably not. This is a young team. They're going to need to get some experience playing together. And outside of the change of our areola, I don't see a lot of change really happening in this lineup. I don't know if Reggie Cannon's going to be back and healthy for this next game against Martinique, or you keep Shaq Morin as he was just named man of the match by the United States and by the fans voting. So time will tell. I'd love to see Busio start, but I don't think that will happen. He got some good minutes, played very well in the minutes he was given tonight against uh, Haiti. But I don't think Jackson Yule really lost the starting job. It would really have to be a mixture of Busio playing great and Yule losing the starting job for Busio to get a start, in my opinion. That's how I'm feeling right now. My opinion could change by the time we make the video. But who knows? But yes, the United States gets the dub. Uh, yeah, sitting on top of the group joint with Canada, down on goal difference. And in Group A, Mexico and Trinidad and Tobago drews nil-nil. Not a very exciting game. And you got El Salvador versus Guatemala, who were not in this tournament yesterday. <laughs> they were told, what, nine days ago? 11 days ago? However many days ago it was, uh, that Curacao is now kicked out of the tournament due to a positive COVID test. And they've got COVID all throughout their team. So, yeah, Curacao is now out, which changes my whole perspective on the tournament because when I made my prediction video, I was under the influence that Curacao was there. So now this changes things a little bit. I don't know how to predict Group A anymore because I had it finishing Mexico, Curacao, El Salvador, Trinidad, Tobago. Now I'm feeling El Salvador finished third or second, Trinidad, Tobago, cheese. Mexico, El Salvador, Trinidad, Tobago, Guatemala. That's my predictions now, since it's changed a little bit, since, you know, the team I predicted to finish second is not even in the freaking thing anymore. But yeah, that's what we've got for you today. It's a shorter show, because I kind of forgot I was supposed to do a show. It got to about 11 o'clock, 10.50, and I was like, wow, I've... I should record a show. Do I want to? No, but I'm probably not going to be able to record one next week, so... Tell you that by the, about that in a little bit. Not tonight. We'll talk about it a little bit later. And we do a video on the United States and the Gold Cup coming up. So hope you enjoyed the show today. It was a little bit of me, a, uh, a ranty show by yours truly. I like doing ranty shows every once in a while. It lets me get animated a little bit. But yeah, that's all I've got for you today. Hope you enjoyed the show. And I will see you all on Wednesday. Peace.